The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Hi guys, I got a lot on my mind and I'm just going to dive right in. When my mind gets like this, it's like there's so much inspirations and then so much stresses and I take everything one day at a time and I by no means, by no means, by no means pretend I know it all. I know the way. Here I share what saved me from the darkest of hours and what keeps me stable and sober. I call it like living the work, you know, by sharing with you the different learnings over the years and several different sources of of help that I got to help me, you know, be at a place where I can hopefully embrace joy, where I can walk through hard times when they come. Again, stable and sober. There are really tough days and there are really joyous days. But first and foremost, I want you to know, I don't pretend to be some guru by any means. And I say that because that's one way that shame has showed up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk through several things today. One is how shame has showed up in the last month or since I last did a solo podcast. And then also through that, three different points. And that is that survivors should not be required to remember details when they are telling their story. And second, that working with our core wounds, especially as it involves relationships, can be tricky and it's a process. And I know that when shame comes up in both those areas, whether as a survivor or in relationships, it complicates the hell out of life. You know, there I was an up and comer and elected, married to the state attorney general, awards after awards, helping to free a wrongfully convicted kid. And I had human struggle like everyone does. There was a level of shame within and then shame coming publicly from the media that it brought me to my knees and suicidality. Treatment, jail, hospitalizations, the road to recovery began like over a decade ago. And I can say that the real work began about eight years ago. And that was because I started focusing less on everything outside me, the courts, what people were saying, and all of it, just a little bit less. From the 12-step program 
from a spiritual journey and connecting with kundalini yoga, working with a therapist on how the ego mind works, and finally, intensive trauma therapy. I saw how childhood wounds showed up in patterns in adult life and still show up today. How a decade ago, I re-traumatized myself and still do today. But I just know it separated me from my true self. They separated me, the core wounds and how my mind grasped onto them from my true self and from others. And when there were outside judgments and projections, I felt even more separated because that's what shame and judgments do. They separate us from each other. But what I know that has helped me the most is one basic tenet. Every day we have a choice between love and fear or judgment. Whether it's through our 12-step program, a spiritual journey, yoga, trauma therapy, whatever it is that you might be working on or all of the above. That basic choice helped me to get to a place of self-compassion and building a home within me. Every day we have a choice between love, which is soul, which is where we can find neutrality for ourselves and self-compassion, as well as for others, and not project our fears and judgments, or the worst part, navigate through others' projected fears and judgments. Because I know when I am in my ego mind and all focused on outside identity or the identity that I grasped onto in my own mind, fear and judgment cause this like running to stand still maintenance mode. And it feels just as bad as a relapse would feel. They call it, you know, a drunk, sober member. And I just know because my core wounds and the trauma I experienced as a child and adult were so intense and so marking in my brain that when that starts happening, as soon as I wake up, as soon as we all wake up and our mind, our, our quote unquote ego, how we identify who we are, when I get in that, Without awareness, it feels like a drunk. It, it feels anxious. It feels like I'm in survival mode trying to defend my worth, my roles, and all of that. Anything that anybody does, including ourselves, is either an act of love or a cry for it. And it really has nothing to do with our true selves <clears throat> or us when people are projecting. When I start in those two places, I have a choice between love, soul, and fear or judgment. And that anything anyone does <clears throat> is basically them doing their best to get through in, in life with their mind and body and has nothing to do with me. It can get really calm 
in this home within. I can work on, you know, what I call on my the left side, my soul connection, the spiritual malady, and build it stronger and get clarity there. And I can also work on the right side, the, the practical life stuff, the ego mind identity, right here in the center of what I call a home. It's what brings me calm and clarity. And that is why my book is called Home is Within You. It explains that journey. What messes up getting there the most personally, and I think for other people, is shame. It adds so many layers within us where our mind is just in complete control and adds so many layers upon us when fears are judge- and judgments are projected by others onto us. And it's the reason there's so much, quote unquote, drama. I hate drama. I see so many people, including myself, struggling in this ego mind way of life existence. And it, it pains me. It hurts my heart. And I get triggered all the time. I am guilty of getting triggered by others, and I am guilty of getting in my own ego mind. Again, I don't pretend to know it all, but I do know that combining 12-step recovery with a true, honest, spiritual practice and trauma therapy has enabled me to reach a point where there again is calm and clarity and a better way basically to live as an empath. Sometimes I realize I get so overwhelmed with others' projections, I can't manage my own. I respond to hurt. And so I recently personally made an even stronger commitment to really own completely my responses That was a combination of step one work in my sponsor asking me to really, really know my limitations, to not get to a point of powerlessness because I have no power over people, places, and things. And also to dive into 10-step work where we take an inventory and we look at real true underlying motives. That I have control over. What I'm going to tell you is what has made it the hardest and how shame has showed up over the last month since I last did a solo podcast is this. In episode two, I described a violent assault halfway. The book has the entire explanation of my memory of the assault. But I'm going to tell you, as survivors of violent assault, we should never be expected to remember it all in the same order and all specifics the same way. PTSD is tricky. It's very tricky. We know what we remember, yet oftentimes, as is what happened with me, investigators or the other, the perpetrator 
will say something else happened, which doesn't mean our memory of what happened isn't true, but it means maybe that also happened too. And so shame showed up because I felt like when I said in episode two that a hand was put around my neck, tightened, and I fainted and hit my head, I didn't finish the part that is even more challenging to express, which is all in the book. And that is that on the floor as I came to, the man that assaulted me began to bash my head against the floor. I remember this so vividly because he sat back on his heels and said, no, 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 no. He couldn't believe what he had done, putting his hands on his own head. That is the truth in my heart and brain, having been a survivor of a violent assault. But what did shame do to me? And I don't want any other survivor to feel this. Shame entered because I felt like I would be judged. I felt like people would say, oh, she hit her head. He didn't bash her head against the floor. Well, I banned that shame within me and learned to choose love and have compassion over myself that in that moment, I didn't want to finish the entire story. And that in that moment, I remembered what I had been told that I hit my head falling down. I don't remember that. I remember a hand on my neck coming to and my head being bashed against the ground. So for the bigger purpose here, why as survivors do we fear judgment of retelling our stories of assault? PTSD is tricky, so don't judge survivors when we retell it. Because it is courageous to even share and go back to that place in the first place. It took me years, a decade of hardcore trauma therapy to get to a point that I could even retell it that I could go back and relive it through EMDR, that I could create a different ending where I found safety. My child was also traumatized in that situation by hearing the assault, as well as the people that were in the room next door that called 911. And what I'm really, really happy to have learned recently from then sitting attorney, district attorney of Alameda County, Nancy O'Malley, is that as a result of the failure of the emergency room, due to thinking they were protecting my privacy, not doing a throat swab, the law changed. The law changed. What happened to me on that evening? resulted in changing the law to require that all strangulation victims have a throat swab in an emergency room. 
For that, I am extremely grateful. And District Attorney Nancy O'Malley retired and I are going to do a whole episode on that. I also am going to share here that shame has showed up so much over a year plus of healing from a broken heart. I've finally got to a point to realize, I can say, that the healing journey, the healing journey is so layered and it's a process and it takes time. It takes time to get out of the stages of just keeping ourselves safe and sober to finding safety in our own body from what was a shocking breakup to then get out of, in the program we call it self-centeredness, to get out of that kind of needed surviving kind of mode and taking one day at a time to heal our heart that's what I did. It took, I took one day at a time to feel safe in my body and mind because that breakup was devastating to me. I loved that human being and I was so confused. I did not know what I had done wrong. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Now today I can realize how after surviving, getting to a safe place within me, then taking one day at a time over the year plus, today I see how part of it then became, it's, it's, it's complicated to navigate. It's not easy to navigate the self-care and the maintaining stability with the getting yourself out of your own ego mind and seeing the effect on other people. I now today can see a level of self-centeredness and perhaps even selfishness when I was in my defensive surviving mode. And what caused that was a level of shame within me because of what that person had said to me in judgment of how I responded to the pain. It hurts my heart today just to talk about it. All of that shaming projected on me, I know was from that own person's fears and judgments and their ego mind is, does not reflect their true self. But I struggled to navigate through it. And I struggled, I responded. I admit that. I responded and 
and then triggered the person again. That is the stuff that shame and shaming does. It separates us from our true selves and from each other. What happened is I had a trip for a book signing and I reached out to a male friend to reconnect. In the midst of the early stages of dating, what I, what my heart called early stages of dating, this person I came to fall in love with, I did not see it as wrong. Most certainly, if it had been cheating in, in the sense of physically or sexually, it would have been something wrong. Yet in my heart of hearts, I did not think it was wrong. This is somebody I had known for years. And it, the new relationship, I barely knew this person, maybe for a month or two. And we had not yet said we were in a relationship. Prior to this trip, I had so much anxiety about having it be a first public kind of book event. And it was reassuring to know that somebody, you know, was in a state nearby and, and in my own unhealthy patterns. I was nurturing the male friendships I had, which I don't think is wrong. And not what I do today, which is nurturing my female friendships. And so it so happened that in, in my own failings to find a center of a home within and nurture my own calm within myself, I reached out in a panic to the person I was dating. And they basically ghosted me, understandably, in response to my saying they didn't love me. Me in a trauma moment response, they responded the same way and were silenced, numb, I don't know. And thereafter, I reached out to a male friend. Now, it wasn't until a week, 10 days later, that back home, the person I was dating responded, and we had a conversation. Now, in those moments, we were choosing love. We were choosing soul. We were choosing to see what each other's experiences were. What was triggered in him? What was triggered in me? And through that, we got closer and we defined what we were. We defined that we were indeed falling in love with each other and in a relationship. From there on out, I knew it would be quote unquote wrong to reach out to that male friend because I knew that it would trigger the person I was falling in love with and committed to. So I never reached out to that person again. 
therein was a beautiful, beautiful month or two together where we knew that we could each be safe in vulnerability. What happened thereafter was devastating. And in this person's fear and judgment, they looked at my personal communications and interpreted them in a very judgmental way. Because over a decade year long span, I had dated two, three men separate from each other and still remained friends and only friends with them. There was a interpretation that then was projected onto me after their failure to disclose they had looked at my personal communications. That triggered me into a trauma I had experienced before, which is fraud, which is I am not safe to get close in my heart with people, with somebody intimately and in my heart. When I realized that later in the year, after a couple of months being broken up, it really spun me. Here I had looked this person in the eyes and said, I love you. And they knew the entire time that they had violated my trust. And instead, continued with projections of their fears and judgments that I never understood. Here, I did not see what I had done as wrong. Reaching out to a male friend, and then thereafter, after being abandoned, reaching out again. It took several months to recover from this. All along, I was sending, finally, that person prayers, warmth, and love, and they never, ever, ever responded the same way. And the triggers just kept coming. Core wounds of fear of abandonment, as well as the little advocate in me. So that's what I've been working on. Whenever my fear of abandonment is, has gotten triggered because there still hasn't been an apology, there still hasn't been owning up to projected interpretations and judgments, it's really hard to navigate that when you don't know that your truth is known. And boy, oh boy, did I fail and respond when all along I should have never responded. Boy, oh boy, did the little advocate in me fail. After what I believe is a justified, a justified point of standing up for your truth, of standing up against gossip, gossip is basically one person's ego mind interpretation of what happened. If others want to believe one rendition of a reality and not ask you for the truth or your side, they are not your friend. Yet 
what will happen is it triggers this basic core fear of abandonment that we all have. And that is exactly what kept happening. Now, that advocate is needed. It is needed because that is where I found the ability to find enough self-compassion and respect to stay stable over a period of time. It has been over 14 months walking through this, and I can definitely say I am one stronger cookie. If I had not had that home within me that holds my truth, that holds unconditional love, it, you know, it felt as though I was walking through all the past trauma again. If I had not had that home, I don't know what would have happened. In that home is where we can go to the soul and we can find the self-compassion to see our innocent selves and tell what I told myself. It is okay you reached out to a male friend. It is okay how you managed the anxiety attack when you were there in D.C. a year and a half ago. It is okay that you got triggered over the past year. It is okay. You did your best. And when I choose love, I can also say that other people are in their own ego mind and running on that with a battery charger that gets so hurtful, yet I have no control. I am powerless over people, places, and things. Today, I commit to hold myself more accountable for my responses to pain. I have a home within me where I can find truth, calm, and clarity in the midst of being triggered. When we can admit we don't live solidly in this stable place, when our little girl or boy feels misunderstood and abandoned, and she gets on defensive mode, running to stand still. We can call it what it is, self-pity, shame, resentment. In the spiritual practice, we can call it what it is, which is ego, mind, and control in the end. I admit my failings navigating between these two tricky parts, the advocate and the abandoned one. And I am just hoping that by sharing so brutally honestly here, that it helps others to know how to navigate through life in this more mindful way, in this place where we have that home. We have that home, okay? In that home, we can say, okay, what was our part? Well, my part was I should have turned to that home within me. I should have turned to my true self 
I didn't need to reach out necessarily to a friend, although that is what we are taught to do in the program. So these are the steps we all can take. What did I do about shame and the shaming of others? What can you do? One, ask yourself what core wound was triggered. Two, what thoughts are your mind creating? Is your mind creating to separate you from your true self and others? Most are fear and judgment based. And three, personally, this is where some 12 step lessons came in. What are my limitations? So as to not get to a point of powerlessness over others or my addiction. And four, an inventory of self. What was my part? What was your part? I know I ignored the signs that were there in the beginning. The little girl that wanted to feel joy and love chose to ignore them. What I mean is I ignored the signs in the beginning of that dating relationship, yet my love yearning did that. And so I forgive myself. I chose love over choosing judgment in that entire person's stuff going on. I knew that they merely, merely, merely sought love too in all of it. Because anything anyone does is either an act of love or a cry for love. And when we are triggered by someone else's acts, it is my, our responsibility to take time to go back to that home within and heal and lift another layer. I am really, really hoping that you've checked out the free band shame tip sheet that is available on my website because therein lies a mantra that I will share with you here today. One, you are not a body nor the thoughts your mind makes. When I tell myself that, and I hope you tell yourself that too, whatever is going on in any given moment, whatever it might be, just remind yourself that those thoughts are not your true self, that it is your mind, it's our mind in survival mode, and it's trying to help us. But we are not those thoughts. We are love. We are infinite beings, whole, divine, and complete in our truest form. That is what I mean by you are not a body nor the thoughts your mind makes. Try to use that one today and throughout the next week. Just say it. I am not a body nor the thoughts my mind makes. And it just might help you get to some deep breathing and finding some calm and clarity wherever you're at, maybe sitting in the car, 
maybe cleaning while listening to this, try that one. And then check out all the other sayings and mantras that you can get on the band shame tip sheet that's for free on my website, www.nadia-davis.com. Please support Megan Judges and I's joint effort to end the stigma of addiction also. Like I said, shaming of addiction, shame within about addiction adds so many unnecessary layers. So together we are supporting Shatterproof because together we are Shatterproof against any stigma of addiction. It is a national organization that fundraises for efforts of that. And we are doing a walk on November 4th in downtown LA, the Shatterproof Walk, but you can donate today to support us. Go to my Instagram page and go to the link that's shared in this podcast. Okay? Together, we are Shatterproof. You can go to fundraise.shatterproof.org and the Megan Judge and Nadia Davis team to donate. Okay? Onwards, freer. Please also download the Mind Body Spirit app and you can send comments, suggestions, and let me know. Let me know if any of this helped you. Okay? Therein. I hold myself accountable for how I've handled shame and shaming from others. Progress, not perfection. Okay? Sending a load of warm hugs. Bye! Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.